May God bless us this morning by his word and his spirit as he speaks to us, not only through the prophets, but especially through his son. Amen. Howdy. So, as you may or may not know, uh, my accent does not actually uh, communicate this, but I did grow up in Texas. So, I was from the north side of Houston, so born and raised and everything. Uh, my parents, uh, my dad was from uh, Hill Country area, San Antonio, and everything with his family. My mom was the Piney Woods, so uh, definitely over on the East Texas side of it and everything. So, one way or another, I grew up around a lot of hills. A lot of ups and lots of downs. And you know, whenever you're a little kid, you're three, you're four, and you get up those hills, and it's like time to come down a hill, and you're like, wee, and you kind of come down, and you're like, oh, that was kind of fun. It's like our little roller coaster. And I had never seen a mountain. I had no idea what those were. Even when we would do uh, mission trips down to Mexico, if you're driving up and you'll go up in elevation, it's so gradual that you don't realize you're, you're already up there until like you can't breathe very well and your lips are dry and you don't realize you're on the top of the mountain or when you come down. Until I ended up going to visit California for the first time. And yeah, I looked out and I see all of these mountains with all the trees covering them and they're just huge and I'm just like, what is happening? This isn't just like, you know, wonderful world of Disney or looking at, you know, Davy Crockett up there. I'm thinking, I am old enough to know what that is, yes. And with that is it's not just seeing it on a picture tube, but rather is basking in it. And I had never understood that. And so about a year later, I ended up getting to, to live out there for, for my, my internship. And so my dad and I, we were driving along and we ended up uh, getting to this part where it was about 6 p.m., sun was going down, and, and we realized, oh, we've got about another two and a half hours to get to, you know, the place where I was going to be uh, living. And so called up the church at the time. And I said, hey, uh, you know, we're over here in Reading. Uh, we're about to make the last uh, stretch of the, the trip, and they said, don't do it. What do you mean, don't do it? Just stay there for the night, find a place, come in the morning. Like, it's only two and a half hours, like three maybe at the most. What, what's the big deal? Just trust us, don't do it yet. Fine, whatever. So stayed the night, got up the next morning, ended up starting along, and realized what they meant. We had never driven around the side of a mountain before. We had no idea the sharp drop off to the side. And the whole way that we're going, and we're thinking, what happens if you hit a weird spot? And in case we didn't know, all of a sudden we turn a bend and we see this semi-truck hanging off the side of the mountain. And yeah, it's like about to drop at any moment in time. But fortunately, whoever was in the cabin was not there anymore. I, I, I assume that they got out. If there was something else happened, Oh boy. But yeah, it's one of those moments where you're looking like, let's not do that. And it was so intimidating that we're driving up the side of this mountain and we're like, it's like 20 miles an hour, like for us, okay? Because we're a bunch of, you know, Texans and we don't know how to drive up mountains. Well, we're going and all of a sudden we start hearing something from next to us and we realize someone's trying to tell us something. And we're like, oh no, you know, is there something to be worried about? So we roll down the windows and we're listening and we get the message, go back to Texas. As they zoom past us with their coexist bumper sticker on the back of the car and realized not only uh, were we apparently driving a little too slow, but we were also just a little bit scared, partly of the mountain and partly of the Californians. I don't know. But with it though, is that oftentimes that uphill part 
is sometimes harder to deal with than just being on the top of the mountain. And that's the thing we want to talk a little bit about today, is that oftentimes we are looking for God in these mountaintop experiences, these times where we can look out and see the beauty of what God is doing, but in reality, God is also there with the uphills and the downhills and even when we're down in the valley. We have three uh, names that come up today that we're using to understand a bit about what God is doing. The first one is communicating Emmanuel. And with that is that we realize in this, God is with us, is what Emmanuel means. Now, as we look at this whole idea, glory to God in the highest, we take the snippets of the story that are amazing and beautiful and glorious, and we, we proclaim them, we love them, we love those parts of the story. But those are the mountains, those are the tops. What about the in-betweens? Do we really think that everything that Mary and Joseph went through after that was easy? Do we really think that there was no sense of loss, that there was never anything where they had to leave their home, they had to go all the way south, be in a place that was unknown? They had to leave the country altogether? They had to even escape back up to Nazareth because they're being hunted. Is that as much as we spend so much time at the top of the mountain, is that we oftentimes ignore the parts where you have to come down. And you realize that things are not as beautiful and smooth as you thought they were at the beginning. But then we also realize that there is a time of upheaval. You see, those words of Emmanuel, God with us, originally came from the prophet Isaiah. And the thing is, is that oftentimes we read the prophets and we're like, okay, it's the Old Testament passage, whatever that is, blah, blah, blah. And we forget the context that they lived in. Isaiah was in a political nightmare. Not only was Israel and were Israel and Judah in a place where they were continually surrounded by other countries that wanted them to pay them money and wanted to conquer them, is at the same time, Israel had asked Judah for help, and instead Judah made a deal with the next door neighbors, Assyria. And they betrayed each other, and then Assyria ended up conquering Israel. At the moment when they needed their neighbor the most, and they ended up feeling abandoned. And Isaiah is speaking to people that this stump, this nothingness that they are looking at, there will someday be a shoot that comes from that. Now, did Isaiah know what was going to happen in the next seven centuries? Not exactly. But something on the other side, he knew that somewhere, somehow, the, the root of Jesse the branch of David, that that would come to some sort of hope. But he didn't know what it was that he was, they were working toward. And that brings us to our third, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, oftentimes we take for granted what it is that he went through. It's that we read the parts about, oh, he's baptizing in the wilderness. Okay, great. Hey, it is uh, Sunday. Let's go ahead and, or maybe, you know, Saturday for them back then. Uh, let's go ahead and drive to this place, Wilderness, Texas. Okay, let's go to Wilderness, Texas, and let's get some baptisms done. When we're finished, we'll go get some barbecue, right? Uh, there's probably some good pecan pie. Do not say pecan. That's just terrible. That's not of God. But some good pecan pie, and we end up, you know, having a good old time. Come back. Everything will be good. 
That is not what John the Baptist had been doing. People knew him in the middle of nowhere because he'd been doing it for so long that everybody knew where to finally go to find him. And there wasn't any barbecue. There were insects and whatever honey he could find someplace. And yet day after day, there he was, giving the same message of repent from what you have done and turn back to God day after day, week after week, month, year, decade. And realizing that each and every step of that, how hard is it? And wondering, I'm in the middle of nowhere, is it actually doing any good? And those three things, the times where we come downhill and, and we sense the loss that is in our lives, or the times whenever we're going up and everything is in upheaval, everything is changing and we don't know how to handle it, or even the flat valleys and plains, and we just feel like nothing ever changes. And it's sometimes hard to realize that God is there in the midst of those. But what about the first one? About, what about loss, the downhill? And the thing is, is that honestly, I, I really despise the downhill part. That the downhill oftentimes is a place where you feel as if you have nothing left. And you wonder how, what's going to happen once you finally get down to the bottom. And when I think of having nothing left, I think about a terrible time in my life, a, a horrible four months called CrossFit. At a time whenever people apparently hate themselves and want to be miserable for an hour every day, uh, for however long, and people do, I mean, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, mental instability in the world. I don't know. But I would go there, and, and I'd be pushing myself with whatever the exercise was, whatever squats, whatever with the barbell, whatever may be happening, and, and, and everything, where I'm just kind of like, I've got nothing left, and my arms are jelly, and the person behind me is saying, five more! Oh. But what's hard about that is not just the fact that, well, there's nothing left, what do you want from me? And now they're saying, well, push yourself even more. It's realizing that at that moment in time, the only way it works is you, you actually trust that person behind you, that they're actually going to spot you, and that if your arms do give out, they're going to grab that weight from you. If you don't trust them, you're not going to push yourself. Is that oftentimes that sense of being vulnerable, of the times whenever we are at a sense of loss, is that we don't really want to let go unless we actually believe that someone is there to catch us. That is a piece that ends up being hard, especially not just as we look at the God with us, but also in our own lives. It's this idea that we are oftentimes afraid of being vulnerable. We're oftentimes afraid of letting go because we don't know who's going to catch us. And yet, that time... The downhill, that sense of loss, is also when we discover more about ourselves than we knew. The times when we realize that what we always say, I will always have this ability, I will always have this strength, I will always have this to turn to, and then you don't have it. Whether that be people in your life, a job in your life, something that you do all the time, or something you're physically able to do, and then all of a sudden it's gone. 
And those times where now you realize when you have nothing left and you realize that all you can do is turn to God, and then you realize what he could have been doing in your life all along that you didn't even know. But then there's also the, the second group, the times of the upheaval. And for me is that oftentimes I hate that uphill part on the roller coaster. It's not terrible to go through. It doesn't mess with my motion sickness. But why is it that the uphill of the roller coaster messes with you? Because if you keep going up, what's going to happen? You have to come down. And that's the thing is that for every little click going up, it's realizing, oh, man, how bad is it going to be on the other side? And that's the thing with this. Like, I, I remember uh, Tyler, uh, Pastor Tyler had said, found out I was going to, to, to Disney World and everything. And he was like, you know, you've got to go on the Tower of Terror. And I'm like, what did I do to make you hate me? I have no idea. I, you know, I, I don't know what it was. But I, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe I should try it. And I look over and I see it go up. And I'm like, oh, it's just going to drop down. And then it drops down again and again. And again, and after the sixth time of hearing people scream, I was like, Pastor Tyler hates me, and I'm not doing it. Uh, it, 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 it he bought me something good for, for Christmas later anyway. So, But with it is realizing that that upheaval is oftentimes so hard because we don't know what's going to happen on the other side. Oftentimes, whenever I would see movies and such where they would give a good backstory. Sometimes people would say, oh, I wish that they would just get through that early part and just get to the real story. I love that backstory part. Like Batman Begins, a lot of people did not like that first movie. They, they liked the second one. And I'm like, no, I love the first one because you see what went into him in the first place. And I remember it was some odd years back, um, I was living in St. Louis again, and I was in the middle of a lot of upheaval in my own life. And I felt like I had nothing. I felt like I wasn't sure who to turn to. I also wasn't sure who I was as a person. And a friend of mine, John, he ended up saying, you're going to have to know how to express who you've been in order to figure out where you're going. Because oftentimes, the things that we wish would just go away, all the prep work, all the things that were like, this is building character, or God's going to do something one of these days, is that we oftentimes wish it would just be done. But in reality, when God keeps leading us down those, it's because there is something even more amazing on the other side. But don't we sometimes just wish we could be done with those difficult times, the upheaval in our lives? But can't we just be finished with it? Because we want to know what's on the other side. Because sometimes we're not willing to accept that maybe there's more than what we thought. But that also brings us to the third one. The John the Baptist section, the monotony. Because oftentimes we can get into a place where we're in a rut. We're doing the same thing day in and day out, and we're really not sure what good that it's even doing. And the thing is that the valley, the plain, can oftentimes be the most dangerous. See, back in those days, why was a valley such a frightening concept? Because if you're traveling, where are the robbers most likely to wait for you? They can be on the ridges. They can look down on you. They can see where you're at and make the best choice about where they're going to get you, where you're the most vulnerable, where you're the most out in the open. And more than that, it, you, you can't really escape either. 
If there was a place in our lives where Satan is going to attack us, where is it probably going to be? Probably in the everyday. Because we get so used to the way that our lives work, so used to what we're comfortable with, so used to what we're expecting, and then out of nowhere. Isn't that oftentimes what we're so afraid of is when things are going just fine, what's coming around the bend? This, the, these last few months, and we, we've mentioned a time or two, we've been praying for, for my sister um, as she's going through the uh, cancer treatments. And the thing is, is that oftentimes with our prayers is that we kind of are like, okay, are you sick? Okay. Did you get treatment? Okay. Are you healing? Okay, great. Let's move on. And oftentimes we don't realize is that it's the every day getting through. Did they remove the tumor? Absolutely. And yet, she's still going to spend a few months healing in the leg. And each of those days is sometimes getting a message just saying, what is God doing right now? And me saying, I don't know, but I know he still loves you. And then the next day, what is God doing in my life? I don't know, but I know he still loves you. And then the next day, what is God doing in my life? I don't know, but I know he still loves you. And you know what's sometimes tempting? It's almost tempting to try to create upheaval, something to shake it up, or almost be like, you know what? Just let it go. It is what it is. Because it's almost like we're so afraid of the everyday that it's almost like we want to create some sort of a drama, something just to stir it up a little bit. Think about our closest friends. Who are our closest friends? Usually the ones where we all complain about the same thing. That's the thing is that the everyday is also the place where we're oftentimes the most vulnerable in that we oftentimes feel like it's never going to change. And we sometimes want it to change so bad that we create the issues ourselves. But with that is knowing that God is not just in the mountains, but is also there in the plains. Because if you needed a water well to be dug, would you go to the top of a mountain and dig a well? I mean, I'm not a well digger. I've never been a farmer. I mean, look at these hands. These hands don't do hard work. Come on. And the thing is, it's like I've never dug a well. I probably wouldn't even know how to get started. I mean, it's probably a shovel. But besides that, is that you probably want to go on the top of a mountain. Where are you going to go? Out into the plains, the valley. Because oftentimes, the place where you're the lowest is often also the place where you're more likely to find water. And that's the thing that's hard to realize is that in that everyday plotting, when we feel where we're at the lowest is also sometimes where God is doing something that we needed all along. And that's hard, but it's also necessary. That place that is the most vulnerable is also oftentimes where we need to get that water. The growth that God is doing is not on the top of the mountain. We're not just waiting for him to be transfigured and build the tent. But the ups, the downs, and the boring. And that's the thing that is difficult to see oftentimes as we're in this season of Advent. 
is that when we're looking at this is that oftentimes we're just trying to make sure that everything is beautiful and good and that there's some fun in there. We want to make sure we had the right presents. We want to make sure that we baked the right cookies. We, we want to make sure that the experience is wonderful. And yet in reality is that Advent is more than just a single day on December 25th. It is a whole season of being transformed. Is that each and every one of these days is reminding us more of who it is that God is among us. And the truth is, is that I don't know whether you're in an upheaval in your life. I don't know if you're feeling like you've lost something, or I don't know if you're just feeling like everything's humdrum. And chances are, wherever I'm at is completely different from where you're at. Isn't it strange where sometimes it's like you, you see someone's like expression and you're kind of like, Oh, they must be really unhappy with me today. Oh, I don't even know. Maybe I need to go apologize for something. I don't know what I need to apologize for. And then you find out that in reality, they just went to bed way too late the night before. Or you think that in your own life, things are going terribly, and you find, look around you, and you're like, why does nobody else seem to be quite as upset as I am? When in reality, God is doing something completely different in them. And that's the thing about Advent, is that each of us comes to this season in a different place, in a different way. That is hard. But it doesn't mean that God is only speaking to some of you and not others. And that's the place where we find ourselves with looking at our season of peace. When we see the parts about the animals sitting together, this isn't something that happens overnight. How long do you think it would take to teach a lion not to eat a lamb? How long do you think it would teach for a bear to go hang out with cows or for a serpent not to be striking everybody? And that's the thing about this is that when we look at these images is that oftentimes we're just waiting for the mountaintop to get it done. But we miss out on the fact that it takes time that God is leading us to it. He's got to change a lot of things in our lives. Sometimes he has to strip us of everything. And sometimes it's just the every day that we have to get through. And that's the peace of the Lord. The peace of the Lord is not just up there. The peace of the Lord is in a Savior who has come and has done all of the above. And that in each of these places in our lives is that he is doing something different. Not for you to rush through it or get through it or get done, but to realize that each step of it is meant for a journey that no one can know until we've been to the other side. So this morning, I invite you in this season of Advent to slow down. Take the time to say, God, I don't understand what this season of my life is doing, but maybe it's meant for something bigger than what I know. And wherever you're at with that, let us know so we can be there for you through it. Because maybe you need someone on the other side of the mountain to let you know that you are getting somewhere. Thanks be to God.